Well, probably as many of you, Roxanne, my wife and I, have really bought into the principle of preventive health care, you know, proactive health care for ourselves. It's the idea that it's much better to try and prevent a disease than waiting until you face the crisis of it and trying to find a cure or trying to treat the symptoms. I mean, preventive health care. And I'm telling you, we're doing all kinds of stuff as it relates to being healthy. Uh, we, we've started to eat extremely untasty foods. Uh, it's, it, it, we have really changed our nutritional intake, and, and we're now spending like two-thirds of our salary on mineral supplements. Are, are you doing that? It's like, oh my gosh, 7,122 pills a day. It's just crazy trying to stay healthy. And, and we've added to that exercise, right? You know, we're having to do all this different stuff to keep these aging bodies in shape. And I, I just have to be honest with you. It's not the easiest way to live. I mean, it was so much easier just to eat what you felt like eating, you know, good food, instead of what you're supposed to eat. It was so much easier just to, you know, be a couch potato than it was to really invest yourself in physical exercise. But though easier to live that way, not necessarily better, right? But to do preventative health care, to proactively take care of yourself, it, it requires time. We found that the, the faster you can make the food, the less healthy it is, right? Which is why we all love fast food restaurants. It's, in order to do preventative health care, it takes sacrifice, it takes discipline and work, it takes knowledge, and it takes choice. You have to choose to invest in this. You have to choose to eat right, to exercise. It, it, it requires faith, doesn't it? Because there's no way you're going to discipline yourself and sacrifice and work so hard to invest against your health unless you think in the long term it's actually going to have some benefit. You've got to believe that today's investment could pan out in good things tomorrow. And yet at the same time, we have to be realists, don't we? It's, it's no guarantee I mean, you can do everything right in seeking to take care of yourselves and to prevent unnecessary diseases, and yet you can still contract them. You can still experience bad health. No matter how hard you work at it, it can get away from you. However, the probability is if we do the work and sacrifice the time and discipline ourselves to be healthier, the probability is that we're going to advance the quality of our lives. I mean, we will have a better quality of physical life. And the probability is that we might even end up increasing the length of our lives. It's why we make the sacrifice. Well, some of you are here saying, well, I thought we were going to talk about family. Nah, forget it. That's hopeless. We're going to just talk about health right now. Uh, the, the truth is, preventive health care is a great metaphor for parenting and how we should do parenting because good parenting is all about being proactive to help your kids make wiser choices and wiser investments in their future. It's, it's all about trying to prevent them from going on the wrong path and doing the wrong thing. Preventive parenting is about seeking to prevent the problems and the crises in their lives before they occur. And let's be honest, there's a lot to prevent in our kids' lives these days. Though there are good paths for them to travel through life on, 
every single moment of every single day, there are side paths and rabbit trails that can lead to really, really bad consequences in their life. And parenting is all about trying to prevent that before it happens. Not waiting for the crisis and trying to deal with the, with the problem, but actually preventing it. Because once kids get off the rails, once kids get off the right pathway, it is more difficult to get them back on again. Failure's not final. There's always hope. But it's easier if they never go there. But preventing parenting isn't easy. I mean, it takes an unbelievable investment of time if we're going to truly try and help our kids make positive decisions. It takes discipline and work and sacrifice. It requires vast amounts of knowledge, and we have to make choices every day, generally, to not pursue what we would rather be pursuing in order to help them become whom we would rather them become. It takes faith that all of the work and all of the sacrifice and all of the investment might in the long run pay off. It's not easier, but it's better in the long term. But once again, just like with our health, there is no guarantee, right? You, you can make all the right investments in the life of your kids, and because of this dastardly thing called free choice, they can do all the wrong things. And so making all of these investments, though positive, might not end up well, but the probability is that ultimately if we make these investments, it's more likely that we will be raising healthier and happier children. Which leads me to this week's truth in our series, InstaFam. God teaches preventive parenting, flat and simple. God teaches us if we're going to be the right kind of parents, then we have to be proactive. We have to practice preventive parenting because preventive parenting is the way to raise healthy children. Let me just read a couple of passages from the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 through 10. Listen, my son, to your father's instruction and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Now here we have parents practicing preventive, proactive parenting. I mean, they're teaching, they're instructing, they're guiding, they're laying down values and principles. And he's saying, listen to what your parents invested in you because what they invest in you will become a garland to grace your head, a chain to adorn your neck. And then he gets right at it. He says, my son, if sinners, if those who are making the wrong choices, those who are going in the wrong direction come and entice you to join them, do not give in to them. Preventive parenting is about laying down guidelines and values that will help ultimately our kids know when they're being sold a bill of goods that's going to end up being destructive. We'll know when it's a wrong path or a right path. Look at Proverbs chapter 6, verses 20 through 23. My son, keep your father's commands and do not forsake your mother's teaching. Once again, they've been proactive in their investment in their kids. So bind them upon your heart forever. Fasten them around your neck. And this is what will happen. When you walk, what your parents invested in you will guide you. When you sleep, they'll watch over you. When you awake, they'll speak to you. For these commands, the commands that parents practicing proactive parenting give us, these commands are a lamp. Their teaching is a light. And the corrections that they've given us through discipline become the way to life. I mean, God teaches us preventive parenting is the best way to raise healthy and happy children. In my opinion, we couldn't be discussing a more important issue because in my opinion, parenting is the single most important occupation in the world. Now, I know that our culture doesn't emphasize raising kids as the greatest occupation in the world. It doesn't come with enough glitz and glamour and doesn't make us the most prosperous and the most powerful. 
But the truth is, it's the greatest occupation. If God gives us, and he doesn't to everyone, but if God gives us the privilege of having children, whether biologically or through adoption, both great privileges, we should take that privilege and do everything in our power to raise them in a way that helps them find and discover the pathways to health and fulfillment and happiness. We should commit to practicing what God teaches us, preventive parenting. Now, even if we do it perfectly, which none of us will, it isn't a guarantee that our kids will choose right. But it does guarantee one thing. It guarantees that we're giving them the opportunity to have a choice. The choice for doing what's right because now they know it. And yes, the choice for doing what's wrong because it's always present. You see, without parents giving wise instruction and laying down proactively wise teaching about how to live positive lives in this negative world... Our kids don't have any choice whatsoever because the whole influence of this world, the current of this culture is in the wrong direction. And it's only if we lay down wise counsel do they have then a choice that can lead them in a different direction. You see, they are never given wisdom and instruction that will be a garland to their head or a chain to adorn their necks unless parents are willing to proactively invest themselves into their future. Preventive parenting gives kids a chance to grow up healthy, a chance to make positive choices. So this is what we need to do. What does God say are the principles to practice positive, preventive parenting? Well, the first principle I find in the Bible is that if we're going to proactively invest in our kids in a way that gives them a shot at, at a happy and healthy life, we must be consistently learning and growing as a parent. It, it is, it's a lot easier not to be a parent. It's it's a lot easier not to be a good, proactive, positive parent because you don't have to know anything. You know, just have kids, keep popping them out, and just let them do whatever they want. And there you have our world in a picture. Talk about an Instagram, right? Be consistently learning and growing. It's more difficult. It takes time. It's a sacrifice. It's hard work. It takes faith. But if we're going to do it, we need to keep learning and growing as a parent. Look at Proverbs chapter 1, verse 5. Let the wise, he's saying you're already wise, but let the wise not settle for the wisdom they have. Let them continue to listen and continue to add to their learning, to their wisdom, and let the discerning, those who already have discernment, don't stop there, don't be satisfied, but continue to get more guidance, develop even greater discernment. We must consistently keep learning. We must consistently keep growing if we're going to parent properly. And yet I'm telling you, as I look around the landscape of families, most parents never even started learning and growing, let alone continue learning and growing. I mean, they enjoy doing what results in a baby, but they have no idea what to do with the baby. I, I'm being very serious. Most people spend a ton more time understanding and learning how to do their vocation than they ever invest against how to raise a child. Most people, and this is fact but sad, most people spend more time analyzing, understanding, researching, and practicing their favorite hobby and recreation than they do understanding and planning and working to become the best of parents. And yet, parenting is the single most important occupation in the world. I would say being a good parent is more important than keeping your club on the right plane in golf. I would say that being a good parent is better than 
making your brackets right during March Madness. I'd say it's even more important, and God forgive me for saying it, than Detroit Tiger baseball. It's more important. And yet we know more about all these other things than we do about parenting. No wonder it's not going so well. And think about it. The reason we should keep learning and growing, the reason we should keep investing and understanding this is because parenting is a complex responsibility. I mean complex. It involves raising and nurturing and training and developing another human being. One that comes with free choice. Ah, wouldn't it be great if God gave me free choice, but none of you free choice? Man, that'd be great. But we all have it, and it makes us these complex beings, unpredictable. You can't figure out what the other one's going to do. It's going to be so different, and often it's in opposite form. And we're supposed to raise one of these little uh, kids? <laughs> Seriously? It's a complex responsibility. And, and add to that some things. Add to the fact that Nurturing a human being with free choice is tough enough, but add to that that they are uniquely different than we are. I mean, very different than we are. And, and even if you're raising your own biological children, which have your genetic code, trust me on this, they're nothing like you. Oh, they might have your nose, they might have your eyes, they might have your skin hue, but they're not you, baby. And if you try and raise them like you, you're going to mess them up and they're going to really mess you up because they're different than you. And, and they're living in a culture and in a generation and in a time that is very different than the one you were raised in. And very often we, we just go, well, I saw how my parents did it and so I'm going to do it like that. Good luck. You were raised in the 1600s, right? It's not going to work now. It's like we, we have to literally learn their culture, learn their generation, understand their language, understand that they're being raised in a very different time than us, and, and the practices that worked for us or didn't won't work for them. We, it's a complex deal, and it goes beyond that because their culture is always changing. Wouldn't it be great if their culture stayed the same the entire time they were growing up because you never, once you learn the culture, you had it down, but it's not. It's changing rapidly all the time. And wouldn't it be great when, when they finally chose out some relationships and you could figure out who their friends were and what they were doing and what kind of family backgrounds they came from. It stayed that way. But every single day, friendships and exposures are changing. Their experiences are changing. And so it just gets more and more complex because... One day it's one thing, the next day it's the next. And not only are their experiences changing, but they're changing. They go from season to season, from infant to adult. And in every season, they're different. Look at I thought I hated changing diapers until my kids turned 15. I loved diapers all of a sudden. I'm serious. I mean, the, the junk in their diapers was a lot better than the junk in their lives when they were teenagers. It was crazy, and I had to figure it out, and Roxanne had to figure it out. In each season, everything changed. And then add to that, if you have more than one child, they are all totally unique from one another. We found what worked perfectly for one kid drove the other ones nuts and away from us. 
And so we had to keep trying to figure out new forms of parenting for different kids in each season of their life. What worked yesterday doesn't work today. What worked for one didn't work for another. And we spend more time on our hobbies and our jobs than we do on learning parenting. This is nuts. Here's the point. If we're going to successfully parent in light of all the complexities, we need to keep learning and growing. We just have to keep learning and growing. Here's the good news. There are all kinds of resources available. I mean, books and magazines and videos. Now, be careful. There are some that are absolutely stupid. But there are many that are good. And we should invest ourselves in those. And we should find a community where we can be supported in the process of parenting. And that's what Northridge Church is trying to be. Many churches are trying to be that. But Northridge is trying to come alongside your life and support you as, as you parent, as you seek to influence your kids. And so in all of our ministries, we're trying to come alongside. In our small group, you can be with people who are going through what you're going through, and you can commiserate and help and counsel each other. It's a terrific thing. And in our Discovery Island ministry, as an example, which is our kids from zero to five years, uh, fifth grade, they work hard to develop curriculum that will teach your kids positive values and support you. In it. And then they make these cards each week that tell you what we taught them and what you can do to take them further, uh, questions you can ask, things you can do, activities you can perform, and it helps you to become a better parent. It helps you to keep learning and growing. And by the way, talking about learning and growing, if you've never gotten one of these cards and you have kids in Discovery Island, you just learn something else about your kid. <laughs> They're absolutely irresponsible, aren't they, huh? Another thing, they, they, they don't want you to know what they learned today in Discovery Island. It's going to rip them off in the end. And so they're not getting you the card. You need to know, and you need to grow, and you need to keep learning. Uh, there's another principle. If we're going to do preventive parenting, we need to be consistently available and consistently accessible in every way possible. Consistently available and ex consistently accessible in every way possible. You can be available but not accessible. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 7. He's saying, impress God's values, impress the, the principles, the commands I've given you on your children, and here's how you to do it. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. The first part of that is saying, if you're really going to impact your kids proactively and positively, then you need to be there. You need to be available. You need to be with them when they're walking on the road. You need to be with them when they're sitting at home. You need to be with them when they're lying down. You need to be with them when they're getting up. I mean... You need to be with them, but not just be with them. You need to be accessible, not just available, because you need to be investing in the kind of things that need to be invested in, not existing in those moments, not existing in the home, not breathing the same air, but actually using it to invest properly, available and accessible in every way possible. I think God the Father is the greatest example. I just chose out one verse in the Bible that really talks about the brilliance and the beauty of how God is always available and accessible to us. Look at 1 Peter 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. God is always available and he is always accessible and he's always willing when we're carrying stress and carrying anxiety and facing challenges and walking through difficulties. He's always willing for us to cast him on him and he'll carry the burden for us. He's always a resource that will love us and put his arms around us and help protect us and help offlift the burdens. It's a big deal. He's available and accessible. That's what we have to do. And if we're going to be available and accessible, we have to be available and accessible in every way. Physically, we have to be there. 
but it's not just enough to be physically there. We have to be mentally there. We have to be engaged in them. And it's not just enough to be mentally available. We have to be emotionally available. I mean, if we're not emotionally available, then even though we're engaging it physically and mentally, we're not really investing in a loving and caring way. And we have to be spiritually available and accessible in every way. The opposite is what was communicated and experienced in the song that we did just before I came out for the talk. Some of you recognize it, Cats in the Cradle. Some of you thought it was a brand new song. It's 40 years old. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, I, I was really, really, really worried when we decided to do that song because I was sure some of you were going to take out your lighters and start doing this kind of thing, you know. I was even more concerned some of you were going to take out your lighters and, you know, uh, it is from the 70s after all, you know. So. But that song's 40 years old. And yet, the reality that that song communicates is actually a bigger problem today than in that day. You know, we are experiencing our first generation of parents who were raised on video games and, and computers. The first generation of parents whose whole childhood was with video games and computers. And here's the sad reality we're finding with a lot of young families, especially the young dads. They're choosing their video games over their kids. They're choosing their computers over their kids. And I'm going to tell you, there's nothing worse. Can, can you imagine how sad it is to let your kid's primary memory of you be with a joystick in your hand or in front of a computer screen? Caring about those things more than you care about them. It's so important to be available and accessible because when you are, it's, it's amazing how your kids will open their lives up to you. A lot of parents complain, my kids won't talk to me, my kids won't share with me, my kids won't open up to me, and I'm going to tell you, it's a learned behavior. Because they've learned that you're not always available to them, that you always don't want to hear what they're saying, that you're going to attack what they're saying instead of giving them advice on what they're saying. You're not going to empathize, but you're going to argue, and, and they're just not going to have anything to do with it. Whereas their friends will listen, their friends will care, even though their friends are clueless about what they should do. I found in my life, and I, I learned it the hard way, that being available and accessible was the key that opened the door to their heart and gave me entrance into their life. Early on in, in their lives, you know, I'm, I'm kind of really an aggressive guy, and I'm kind of into time management, and I'm kind of into getting a lot done, so I decided that I was going to be a great dad, but I was going to schedule quality time with my kids. I figured if I scheduled 15 minutes of quality time, I'd really get some great things done with my kids, you know. And, you know, I'd schedule the time, and I'd go, and I'd say, okay, I've got 15 minutes. How are you doing today? Fine. What's going on in your life? Nothing. What do you want to talk about? Nothing. Wow, it was really positive parenting. But then I found out when I just hung out with them, when I spent quantities of time with them doing things that they enjoyed doing, they would ultimately naturally start opening up and sharing some things with me and we'd start having a conversation that was worth having and here was the lesson that I learned. There is no such thing as experiencing quality time with another person without investing a quantity of time with that person. And this is true and I know not everyone's a parent here and some of you who aren't parents are probably saying, man, my gosh, can we do a talk for me? This is it because every single one of us are in a relationship that has influence over others and every one of us are in a relationship where we have people influencing us and these principles can be applied to our lives and this is a big one. You will never experience quality time with anyone, a spouse, an employee, an employer, a neighbor, anyone 
let alone a kid, without investing a quantity of time in their lives. We must be always available and accessible or significantly available and accessible in their lives. When I did this, I found that my kids opened up to me in unbelievable ways. I can't share some of these things, but I had my children ask me as they were becoming adults some of the most personal and intimate questions I could have ever imagined being asked. And most parents don't have their kids coming to them with that. And it just simply was because I made myself available and accessible. Now, I'm not perfect at this. I'm flawed. I, I failed. Thank God failure is not final. But over the long haul, I was available. And to this day, my kids will open up to me about some serious things because we've been doing it for a long time. It's called preventive parenting. God tells us if we're going to be good at proactively guiding our children into their future, we need to be consistently aware and observant of our children. Consistently aware and consistently observant. This is exactly how he does it. He, he does this by example. Look at Matthew 6, 8. Your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. Matthew 6, 31 and 32. You don't have to worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? That's what people who don't know God, the pagans do. They run after all these things, but you have a heavenly Father, and your heavenly Father knows that you need those things. And then it gets really personal in Matthew 10, 30. It says, and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. God has the hairs on your head numbered. Now I know that for some of you, that is not a very big deal. <laughs> but in general, that takes keen awareness and keen observation and a keen investment of attention. So what's the great truth we get from these passages? God cares about us. He cares about us. Think about it. He's not too busy for us. He knows what we need. He knows everything about us. He's, he doesn't see anything as more important to him than we are. He pays attention. He knows us. God knows when we're hurting, even when we're pretending not to. God knows when we're spiraling downward, even when we're pretending not to. God knows when we're happy and no one else is celebrating us. God knows us. You know what our kids need? Our kids need us to know them. Why? Because they need to know how much we care. Our, our kids need to know that we're not too busy for them. That there's nothing more important to us than they are. Not a video game, not a television show, not a hobby, not a recreation, not a job. Nothing in this world is more important to us than they are. And the way we show them isn't by telling them, but by being available to them, by being aware of them, by being observant. We need to recognize when our kids are hurting, when our kids are beginning to spiral in the wrong direction, when our kids are happy and need to be celebrated. And the only way it happens is when we are aware and observant. When, when we're aware and observant, we can see trouble coming in their lives before it comes. Preventative health care is about doing what it takes to prevent the crisis, not just waiting for the crisis to develop. The same thing in parenting. And if you're really keenly aware and observant of your kids, you'll know when they're starting to detour towards crisis. And you'll be able to come in and help nurture or guide. It's no guarantee that it'll work, but you'll be able to enter into the journey before the crisis happens. When we're aware and observant, we, we can discern opportunities for speaking to their lives. I, in our own lives, and I've watched other parents, 
it's like we speak into their life when they're not ready to be spoken into. We're not observant of the fact that it's not going to work right now. It's going to push them further and further away. The more we observe, the more we'll understand when they're open, when it's a good time, when it's not. Many times our kids are left to celebrate with their friends because we don't notice the things that are happening that are important in their lives. But when we're aware, we can celebrate with them. And it creates a treasure of a relationship. This is an important part of parenting. Now, of course, no, no human being is perfect at this. I mean, because we can only read the signs from the outside, right? I mean, we can look for signs and try and do something about it. But the good news is that God knows us from the inside out. And we need this in two ways. We need this personally. All of us need God as our Father because all of us need someone who really understands who we are on the inside, can impact us from the inside out, not just from the outside, walking with us and loving us and knowing us and caring about us, embracing us, providing for us. We all need him as Father, and without him, we never really experience life as it's supposed to be. It's bad not having the kind of human parents we need. It is absolutely impossible to live without the Heavenly Father, ultimately. We need him, but it goes beyond that. We need the Heavenly Father because if we're going to be raising children, we need someone who knows them from the inside out. We need him to help guide us and give us wisdom and and work with us from the inside out. You want to be a good parent, then you have to know the Heavenly Father, the greatest of parents. You need his help for you, for them. And the good news is you can have him. God has reached down, and I don't know why he's done this. It's hard for me to figure out. I know me. I know you. But God has decided that he wants us in his family. And he sent Jesus so that he could literally pay the penalty for our guilt and our sin. That's what he was doing on the cross. The wages of our sin is death. Jesus died for us, and he took all of our darkness and threw it in the tomb so our failures didn't have to be final. And then he rose again so he could give us new life. It was really God saying, I've decided I want to adopt you into my family. But the truth is, though he signed the adoption papers and made it all possible, we have to sign the adoption papers and say yes. And many of us haven't. And I just want to encourage you. Say yes to God being your father. Look at John 1.12. It says, but as many as received Jesus, I mean, open their life to Jesus. How? By putting trust and belief in his name, in what he did in dying and being buried and raising again, that God gives you the right to become a child of his he will become your father. And so before I give you the last principle, I'm going to ask if you just bow with me in a, in, a, in a prayer just for a minute. And as we bow in prayer, if you're already a believer, you need to be talking to him about how you're walking with him as your father. But if you don't know him as father, I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Take my words in this prayer and make them yours. Just in your heart, say, God, I, I'm right now opening my life to you. And I'm asking Jesus to come in. I'm putting my faith not in what I've done because I've messed up. I've sinned against you, but I'm putting my faith in what he's done. Jesus, you died on the cross to forgive me. I'm trusting you to do it. And you rose again to give me new life, and by faith I'm claiming it. Let me be a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you just prayed with me, I just really want to encourage you, let us know. I mean, we want to celebrate it. Don't do it in, a, in secret. I mean, let us know. But 
there's a reason to let us know. We've put together a letter that can help take you further in your, your walk with God if you'll get it. And so in the programs we hand you in our live services are these connection cards. Just rip them out. You fill out the portion that talks about your address and name. And then on the bottom, check that circle that says, Today, for the first time, I received Jesus. I mean, I opened my life to him. I prayed with you. And then put it in one of the boxes at all of the exits of all three of our campuses, and we'll send you this letter. And here's what I really want to encourage you. If you're watching Church Online, I encourage you to hit the What Next button. We'll do the same for you. But make sure, all of you, if you've not been to a starting point group, take it. It's for all of us. But if you're starting out and restarting your journey of faith, it's especially for you. It'll transform your journey. And we're starting new ones, May 4th and 5th, coming up in a week. And so you can go into the lobby if you're here live, and you can sign up for it or ask questions about it, or you can do it online. But become a part of starting point groups. It'll change your life. Here's the last principle. If we're going to be proactive parents, the right kind of parents, do preventive parenting, it requires being consistently willing to establish and enforce clear boundaries. We have to consistently be willing to establish and enforce clear boundaries. Look at Proverbs 13, 11, and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father disciplines the son he delights in. Look at Proverbs 19, 18. Discipline your son, for in discipline there is hope. But without it, you're just becoming a willing party to his death, to his destruction. Yesterday, my executive assistant found a quote that's really uh, apropos here. It says, discipline doesn't break a child's spirit half as often as the lack of discipline breaks a parent's heart. And that's so true. And yet discipline is such a missing part of parenting these days. We're afraid of discipline. We don't understand discipline. It's an essential component of being the right kind of parent. One of the most important gifts we can give to our children is is self-discipline. Self-discipline, the ability to tell themselves no even when they want to do something because they know saying yes could lead to their destruction or lead to negative consequences. Self-discipline. But self-discipline is not something we're born with. I mean, have you ever seen a baby? They eat dirt. I mean, they eat bars of soap in the bathtub. They have no self-discipline. If they're going to learn self-discipline, they have to be trained. They have to be taught. We have to invest it in them, but to invest self-discipline, we have to, first of all, create boundaries for them. So there are places that they don't go, so that there are things they don't touch that are of little consequence when they're young, so that when there are places they shouldn't go and things they shouldn't touch when they're older, they've learned how to say no in an easy place. So they can do it in a difficult place. We have to create boundaries. And for those boundaries to work, we have to enforce those boundaries so that they learn that it's more positive to say no to yourself than it is to say yes when it's a negative thing. And I tell you, I've learned this again recently in a weird place. A lot of you don't know this, but I have recently, and I know I'm not a young guy anymore, but I've recently become a daddy again. It's bizarre, I know. But it's not a daddy of a person. It's a daddy of a dog. Uh, Roxanne and I got a new dog named Lincoln. Um, And so he's our little golden doodle. Well, little is a stretch, but you get the idea. And he's he's needing to be trained. For him to experience a healthy and happy life, he has to be trained. I mean, we don't want him running in the street and getting run over. We don't want him running into our neighbor's house and getting shot. You know, those kind of things. And... (laughs) 
And so he's got he's to be trained. And, and so that's what we're doing. We're training him now. And w- one of the tools we're using is we're, we're using discipline. We're setting the boundaries, and then we're enforcing it. And we've chosen for our yard an invisible fence. And so we've literally created the boundaries. Here's our yard. Here's where you can go. This is a safe place. You can play here and be healthy and happy all you want. Out there is bad. And, and it's a training process. And so you flag out the boundaries, and, you know, they have a little collar that beeps when it gets close to the wire. And so you, you teach them that the beep means you're going into bad territory. Don't do it. You know, come on back. No, no, no. And, you know, they learn all the boundaries. And it's all about training. It's not about punishment it's about training and then and then finally you activate the collar in such a way that they hear the beeps they've been warned they've been trained they know where the boundaries are they know what they're supposed to do but just like little kids they go i know they said i shouldn't go there but it looks mighty fine you know and so the enforcement is this this little zap and it doesn't hurt the dog there's no health hazards to it but it scares them and it's this little zap that when they finally go it goes beep 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 and they decide to keep going like kids will often do then they get zapped and they go ah, you know back and they go wow it is better in here than out there and they, they learn self-discipline I don't want to go there that's bad I know my boundaries and they've been enforced and it leads to a happy life it's a beautiful thing now some owners are sadistic and should never be allowed to have a dog because for them it's all about watching the dog get shot. And they like that. They try and force the dog. It's not. It's about training. It's not about punishment. It's about reward, actually. Well, sometimes training in our children's lives takes tough enforcement. In fact, it's the enforcement that makes obeying our boundaries a better choice than disobeying them. Look at how God says it in Proverbs 29, verses 15 and 17. The rod of correction imparts wisdom but a child left to himself with no enforcement disgraces his mother discipline your son and he will give you peace he will bring delight to your soul now here's where it gets interesting just before i bring the talk in for a close there's there's a lot of controversy over discipline there's a lot of controversy over the rod of correction over spanking and, and I need to say it right up front. And often the, con- the controversy is for good reason. Many people have misused the whole idea of spanking. They have used paddles and belts to spank their kids in anger. They've used spanking as a way to punish their kids and bring pain into their kids' lives as if that's going to help them. It's not. That's called abuse. That's not called training. You see, spanking was never about retribution. Spanking was about doing what the electric fence does, the invisible fence does for a dog, reinforcing that this is not a good place to go, that there are consequences. It's better to make wise choices and use self-discipline. So I believe that appropriately and, and carefully applied, the concept of spanking can be a valuable tool for reinforcing our training when done right because it can help them feel that there's a consequence that is not one they want. They'd rather 
obey. And here's how we did it with our kids. We created the boundaries for our kids. And unlike many people, we didn't remove all of our valuables. Well, we didn't really have any. <laughs> and so we didn't remove all the shiny objects and all that stuff. We taught them not to do it. And it was a training process, just like we've done with Lincoln. It's like y y they start crawling to all the shiny objects. And we'd go, no, no. And we'd turn them around. And no, no. And they'd learn that that wasn't something they'd do. And then we'd know when they knew it was wrong because they'd crawl up to that thing and, and they'd just stay there for a while. And they'd kind of like, even as babies, you know, like this. And then they'd start going like this. And so we knew they knew it was wrong. They needed now enforcement. So we'd take their little hand and we'd go like that. Not to hurt them, not for retribution, but so they go there. And I'm telling you, with no pain at all, when you do that, you're saying no. They're going, Wah! You'd think, you know, you'd throw them in a fire pit or something. It was like crazy, right? Just this little zap. And then, you know, and then they'd start going oh yeah, you know, like this, and then you do a little tap, and sometimes we use their little bottoms for the same thing, and of course, you know, we didn't do it to create pain, we did it so that they would know, oh, I don't want to do that, I'm disappointing my parents, and ultimately what happened was they learned self-discipline. Here's the thing, the principle here is not that spanking is the best or only form of enforcement, the principle here isn't even that you have to spank to be a good parent, that's not the point. The principle here is that we must create consequences for disobedience that create a greater desire to say no to themselves than to say yes to themselves in that regard. I believe that the discipline should create the pain of loss, not pain, but the pain of loss that is bigger than the joy of gain they think they're going to get through disobedience. And then you create a safe zone for them. They learn self-discipline. They know how to say no to themselves so that they don't experience the enforcement. And it's a big deal. And, and so some of you use forms of discipline that are really reward instead of discipline. And it, this isn't true for everybody. And it works different ways for different people. But for me, you put me in a timeout chair, I'm saying thank you for the vacation. I did everything I could to get in the timeout chair because then I didn't have to work, I didn't have to do chores, I didn't have to listen to anybody. I was in a timeout chair. Woohoo! It was great. And some of you are doing that. You're, you're like, go to your room. You know, that's where they want to be. Maybe it should be, come out and spend time with Dad and I. No! You know. I mean, but create a consequence that's undesirable so that they learn to say no to themselves. And know this, what works for one kid won't work for another. For our first child, a little smack on the hand, a little tap on the bottom, oh, that she was all, she didn't want any part of that. We were disappointed. For Blake, we would have had to take out a four by four across his head for that to work. And it, that's wrong, you can't do that. So we had to come up with other ideas. And so, but just create boundaries and enforce them. Here's how we end it. Like preventative health care, preventive health care, preventive parenting requires time and discipline and work and sacrifice and knowledge and choice and faith. It's not the easiest way to parent, but it is the best parent. And here's the conclusion. Preventive parenting can't guarantee that our children will make all the right choices. In fact, I promise you this. There's no such thing as a child who's made all the right choices. Preventive parenting can't guarantee that our children make all the right choices in life, but it can guarantee that we've done everything we can 
with the influence we have, and now we can look back with no regrets. And this is a big deal. God, you gave me the privilege of helping to shape these young lives. And though you gave them free choice, and they can make any choice they want, I did everything I could to help proactively and preventively lead them in the right way. And now I'm asking you to make the light of our training and the lamp of our training shine brighter than their life than that which the world is shining in their life. And when that happens, they might actually live lives that are healthier and happier. And it started with us. That's another picture God gave us. May we ever live it. Thanks, everybody. See you next time.